I'm going to do something a little bit different tonight. Is that okay? Is that all right? If it's not, just tell me, and I'll, I'll try to do the same thing that I did this morning. But um, I'm going to do just, just a little bit different. How many of us uh, enjoy Christmas? Do you enjoy Christmas? My wife is the, I call her the Christmas queen. Uh, those few of you were at my house Friday night, and, uh, and you would count three full-size Christmas trees in my house. And uh, it's just, uh, and I tell her, I said, I don't, I don't like it that much, but, but if you want to put them up, I'll let you do the work. And, and she's okay with that. But she loves Christmas. But the problem is, if there's a problem, it's that Christmas has been, has been made fake, basically, right? It's been, it's been taken away, the, the true meaning's been taken away, it's been uh, adulterated and all this. So I'm going to do something tonight. It's called Hijacking Our Holiday. This is our holiday. This is one of the two holidays that we celebrate directly from the Word of God, the other being Easter. This is our holiday. And, and we do some things, and, and I'm not here tonight to preach against uh, Christmas traditions. I'm not here to preach against trees and stockings and, 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 and all those other things that go with Christmas. But what I do want you to understand is some of those things that we have, some of those things that we do have a meaning behind them. And, and so what I would like to do tonight is just give you a few little things, and, and we won't be here too long, I don't think, but just, just talk about a few things, and I'm not really going to preach, I'm just going to talk for a few minutes. And, and we need to understand that, that, that my, I know my Christmas is absolutely going to be, it's going to be packed, I, I know that. We're going to be with family, you're probably going to be with family, and if we're not careful, when we get to the end of the Christmas day, we're so exhausted that we can't think about anything else. And Cecil goes to his recliner and puts his feet up and goes to sleep. Don't you, Brother Cecil? Because he almost did that the other night at my house. And we get so caught up in the wrong things that, that if we're not careful, it'll just, it'll just detract from Christmas. So the very first Christmas, I've, I've preached about it for the last three Sunday mornings in a row. But it marked... What we would call and what scientists or what I guess you would say scientists would call the great divide of humanity. The first Christmas marked what we would call the great divide because it is the, the, the point in time that we tell about history. If you see an event in a social studies book, you'll see a little date and then you'll see what letters behind it. You'll either see B.C. or A.D., Right? To sum up, were any of you born B.C.? <laughs> Come on, folks, relax, all right? It's, it's okay to smile in church. But, but we, we see B.C., and that stands before Christ, and then we see A.D., and that does not stand for after death. That stands for Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. But you must understand that every event that's ever been marked in human history, anytime a scientist who may be an atheist says B.C. or A.D., they are referencing whatever they're talking about in relationship to the birth of Jesus Christ. It was that important. The birth of Jesus Christ was, was that life-changing, was that, that earth-shaking that it marked the time where we would, we would literally tell time from the birth of Jesus Christ. So that's one thing that I want to talk about. And then the next thing I want to talk about is, is by raised hand, how many of you like to receive gifts? Does anybody like to receive gifts? 
I, I love to receive gifts. I'm not, I'm not just saying that that's just how I am. And, and, and praise the Lord. Let me tell you how good God is, all right? When, when God created my wife, he created her to love to give gifts. And so how do you like that? I like to receive and she likes to give. And so it, it ends up that it all works out for both of us because I like to receive what she gives. But why in the world do we give gifts? I mean, we, we like to do it. We like to give them to our family. But as I, I studied this out for a while, and I was reading and, and reading some history, and I found out that in the third century, I'm talking about just, just 300 years after Christ was crucified, there was a man in the church, and he was a bishop in the church, and his name was Nicholas. And Nicholas, uh, this, is, this is church history, would go about, and one good thing about the church, or there's a lot of good things, but one good thing that the early church did is that they took care of each other. Is that the, the early church, they would take in the alms, they would take in the tithes, whatever they had, and then they would go and they would distribute them to the poor. But see, Nicholas had a special gift. He had a special place in his heart for the poor and so what he would do is he would anonymously go and he would take gold coins and he would throw them in their windows. Church history. And this man died and guess who he became? Saint Nicholas. Kind of strange, isn't it, to think about that. I, I didn't know that until I read about church history. And so he would go and, and he would give gifts to the poor and, and he would do it anonymously. He didn't want any credit for what he did, but people began to find out. People began to, to kind of sneak and, and hide and watch and see that it was St. Nicholas that gave these gifts. So here we are, so many years later, still giving those gifts. And then we go on and we find it in the 16th century. This was just a, a few hundred years ago. You can go to Germany and you can find evergreen trees in a house just as, as we have some nice fake plastic evergreen trees right over here on, the, on our sides and on, on our corners. And we, most of us have Christmas trees, don't we? But then in the 16th century, a man named Martin Luther decided that he was going to do something different with his evergreen tree. He was from Germany. Does anybody know who Martin Luther is? I'm not talking about King Jr. I'm talking about the 16th century guy. He, he was the guy that reformed the church. He was the guy that, 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 that nailed the, the 1595 thesis on the door of a Catholic church and said, hey, y'all have got this all wrong. And he started what, was, what is known as the Protestant sect of, of Christianity. And here we are still going off the beliefs of Martin Luther. And so in the, in the early 1600s, Martin Luther decided one day that he would start putting candles in his tree. And why in the world did Martin Luther do that? Well, he told his children that when they saw these candles in the tree, that they were to think about the star that led the shepherds to Bethlehem. And so that, is, that was a representation in 1600 of, the, of the, the shepherds going to Bethlehem. Now our trees are lit up, so when you light your tree up, when you plug it in, does everybody have a Christmas tree? If you don't, I'll give you one. Is that all right? Lacey's leaving on that note, isn't she? But that we, we all have those things, and so think about the, the lights in your Christmas tree. And then lastly, and, I'll, and I'm almost done, another thing that I found is is... is in, in the late 1600s, Martin Luther did his thing in the early 1600s. 
But in the late 1600s, there was a choir master in a church. And, and, and choir masters in churches, the choir master's job was obviously to organize the choir, but he also, he, he was in charge of the children. See, in, in the early church, the kids would sing a lot. And so they would put them in choirs, and you can still see it today in a lot of churches. And, and during this one service that they would have at Christmas Eve, all the kids would be on the stage of the church for a while waiting to sing. And so as they were waiting, as, as kids sometimes do, they would get a little loud, wouldn't they? Anybody ever seen a kid get loud in church? And so that would happen, and so this guy thought, what in the world am I going to do? And so he went to the local candy shop, and he told the baker to make him, or the candy maker to make him some sugar sticks. And, and so he made these sugar sticks, and he thought, well, the, 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 the hives in the church are never going to allow me to give out sugar sticks in a church. And so what he did is he told the candy maker, he said, make these little round sugar sticks and then put a crook on the end of them to remind the children that they're, they're, they're looking at the shepherds, they're thinking about the shepherd's staff. And, he said, and then he said, make them white so that they can think about the purity of the baby Jesus Christ. And then he said, and after that, he said, why don't you just go ahead and put some red stripes on them so that they can think about the blood of Jesus over a sugar stick trying to keep kids quiet. Did anybody know that? Church history. This, this happened in a church, and I don't have any candy canes to give you tonight. But I want you to understand, when we look at the symbols of, of Christmas, don't let your Christmas be hijacked by what the world has turned it into. Don't let your Christmas, don't let them take off with it and turn it into something that it's not, because it is about the birth of our Savior. Amen? You can go to Luke chapter 2, and I won't read it tonight, but, but I, was, I was debating on whether preaching it or not. But Luke chapter 2, after what I read this morning, starting in verse number 21, we find a man named Simeon in the temple. And Simeon was an old man, and his whole life objective was to worship God. But he said that his eyes had seen the salvation of God and he was ready to die. And then as soon as Jesus shows up and he sees him, he tells God, just go ahead and take me. And then Anna shows up. And everywhere you look in the birth of Jesus, as we've studied in the last three weeks, everywhere you look, there's joy. Everywhere you look, there's praise. Everywhere you look, there's adoration to a baby that hadn't done anything yet. I want you to understand that Jesus had the, the same kind of ordinary birth that each and every one of us had. It, it, the circumstances might have been a little different being born in a manger, but he was born just the same as we were. He didn't come out doing miracles, but yet when people saw that baby, when people recognized that baby for who he was and who he was going to be, they could do nothing more than praise him and adore him and love him. Do you love him tonight? I love him. Now, I want you to, everybody stand up tonight. Everybody stand up. Let's, and Cecil and Lauren, where's Lauren at? Lauren went out. Sister Connie, come out to the piano, come to the piano. And uh, we're going to sing one more Christmas song, and then we'll quit for the season. Is that okay with everybody? Because I know Cecil loves leading Christmas songs, so we're going to sing one more. And we'll be done. Brother, sing us something with a little pep in it, with some, with some adoration and with some joy. And sing it because you love Jesus, not because it's a Christmas song. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains. And the 
reply, echo back their joyous strain. 